0: Have you ever wondered as to how you can turn your passion into a profession? Well, the guest on the podcast today is someone who did just that. Shreya Patar is one of India's leading content writers, a TEDx speaker, a prolific ebook writer, and an agency owner who is creating waves globally through her unique style of writing. I have honestly learned a great deal from her and she's someone who has really inspired me to the core of my heart to continue my own writing journey. On the episode today, Shreya talks about her entire journey of falling in love with literature, to meeting the CEO of LinkedIn, how she made her mark in the world of freelance content writing, how she looks at creativity, and what really inspires her from the get-go. To spice it up a little bit, this time we also do a rapid-fire round with Shreya, where you can see her answering a bunch of tricky questions. This is going to be a superbly insightful conversation with Shreya Patar like never before, and I promise you, that this episode will inspire you to the core of your heart to chase your own dreams and turn them into reality. So do watch this video till the end and do hit the like button and subscribe to my channel as I bring out more such informative videos like this one. Now without any further ado let's get straight into the video and hear out from Shreya Patar. Welcome to the podcast Shreya, I'm super excited to have you on the show today, how are you doing? I'm doing good Surya, thank you for having me. You know, I'm I'm absolutely a big fan of the way you write and you have always been this true source of inspiration for me to improve my own writing skills and I must say that I've learned a great deal from you not just about creating content, but also about how to put it out there. So where did this love for writing and literature stem out from? Because I was reading that you wanted to be a doctor for the longest time.
1: Yeah, Um, career wise I did want to be a doctor but I was writing since I was really young. It just just was a pretty common thing for me because in school I think uh, I was really encouraged to write. Um, At home I was encouraged to write and uh, we have a lot of books at home, we have like a mini library at home. So that you know that words, reading, writing stories, it's always been around me. And uh, generally, I've had like a lot of inclination towards Disney movies and, you know, those storylines and things like that. So I think that's where writing comes from, just a way of, you know, sort of feeling better um, and also sharing stories, writing stories that way.
0: That's you know a very interesting thing you said about uh, taking inspiration from Disney movies and taking inspiration from uh, books. And I was also reading your article about how you became a doctor of words in the truest sense. So that Mm. was a really, you know, well put out article and it really motivated me to, you know, continue my own writing journey as well. And in fact, I recently, you know, came across this quote by Octavia Butler, which highlights the importance of consistency and goes on like you don't start out writing good stuff. You start out writing crap and thinking it's good stuff and then you eventually uh, get better at it. And, you know, it made me realize that your chances of achieving greatness really flare up if you stick to something for a long time. And you also went on to pursue English Literature at Trinity College. So how was that experience like and what were some of the major learnings you got from there?
1: Yeah, so I, I uh, took up Literature because I decided that, that writing is what I want to do full time. Um, of course, what the kind of writing that I do now is different content and literature don't really, you know, match up. Yeah. Um, So I think it was a bit weird because um, I would send some of my writings to my professors, but they found it very different from, you know, the kind of essays and research-heavy writing. And like, it's literally creating like a piece of art that we do in terms of literature. Mm -hmm. So that was different compared to what I do online, which is more of... Um, non-fiction, it's more of short sentences, simple words, there's not much of uh, narration as such, although there's a story, but there's not much detail, there's not much explanation there. Um, so it's a it's an interesting contrast, I think, you know, having read some of the best pieces of, you know, classic literature, and then also seeing that my writing does not match up to that, but it's still good in its own way, and people like it in its own way. So. Yeah just uh, I think that uh, seeing that contrast during you know college time was a great thing
0: yeah what is that major difference which you observe while you know switching from an english literature background to ni- now uh, you know pursuing writing professionally so what are the major differences which you see and what are the challenges which you uh, face during that transition from an academic background to now the corporate world to now uh, you know running your own agency
1: so the academic part was what took me more of uh, work. So um, I did all of my schooling in India, and mm-hmm. then I moved abroad for college. So you know, until 11, 12th, I was in India. So the kind of literature that we have here and how we studied it in school was very different from what is expected, especially in a university abroad. So I realized that there has to be a lot of research There has to be like every single thing that you say has to be backed up. You can have your own thought, yes, but it has to, that thought also has to come like from somewhere. It has to have substance. It has to have reasoning. So one of the things that I really struggled with when it came to like my literature or philosophy essays was making sure that I was backing up every point because I it was turning out to be more of an opinion piece rather than something that was, you know, that, that had substance that you could connect back to the original piece of uh, article or book that there was. And I think that's the major difference that I see. Like, there's more of a comfort factor with content because I can say what I want. I don't have to, you know, provide citations and sources for it. And I don't need to read a hundred different things to be able to write that. Uh, but, yeah, for literature, it was a bit... Um, it was something that needed a lot of learning as to how to even write an essay and how to research before that. Research is different. It's You, you can't really look up a few articles online. You can't look up opinion pieces. You have to look up... Uh, proper journals proper you know peer-reviewed articles something that has something that's maybe on the list of uh, you know credible sources you have to like really make sure that you're doing it right so i think content writing is definitely easier in that sense
0: and you know i also believe that writing for oneself uh, is just about free flow of thoughts and how do you Uh, You know, actually manage to uh, garner inspiration or gather inspiration from a lot of sources you read. So basically, uh, the way I see uh, the way I look at creativity is basically when I, uh, you know, uh, try my hands on different books. Like I was recently reading this book called Hooked, uh, which is a startup-based book, and then I was reading something on blockchain. So getting those ideas from those two those two sources can actually help me while I'm writing some article on maybe the budget which was announced today uh, by the parliament. So that really helps me uh, and that really, you know, helps me define creativity uh, for myself. So how do you how do you look at creativity and what really inspires you to write each of those content pieces which you put on LinkedIn or Twitter? Because They are very, very, uh, you know, uh, personalized and they are very evocative Mm -hmm. and they actually garner a lot of emotions. So how do you manage to go about them?
1: So most of those are based on something that's happening in my life. Um, It could be something that's already happened, something that's something I'm thinking might happen or something that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. So that's what I usually pick up from. I pick up instances that taught me something that had a meaning, again, narrating it in terms of stories. So it's like. Uh, taking a story fr- about like an incident or something and then turning it, especially on LinkedIn, turning it into like a professional lesson. So what's a business takeaway, um, which would suit the platform, right? Yeah. So yeah, that, that's how I see it. So um, I also tweeted about this recently that one of this is one of the challenges of content creation, right, where everything just starts to become content. So while you're gro- going through something like even if you're going through something bad, you're like, oh, I'll write about this someday. So it's fine. So in a way it's good because you learn to like um, look at yourself and your life from like a third person perspective and see what you want to do better see how you want to do better because you want good stories to tell at the end of the day but it's also uh, not the best thing because it distracts you from what you're doing and what you're actually feeling in the moment and all of those kinds of things and it takes you towards Oh, I have to write something about it. I have to post something about it. Yeah. No, you don't. So I think, yeah, that that just ties in a little bit as a challenge. Uh, but most of it, yes, comes from, you know, things that I've gone through.
0: And yeah, I was, uh, you know, in fact, reading your uh, post on LinkedIn today, which was about occupational hazards of freelancing. Yeah so yeah you were you know mentioning about how uh, you always have to you always uh, you know looking for content on various platforms uh, even while you are scrolling through your insta feed or maybe scrolling through your facebook feed so how do you manage that like you uh, get so many sources of information but how do you manage that Uh, like which uh, content pieces uh, should i put next and how do you avoid uh, rest of the pieces of content which uh, you can put later or which you don't want to essentially write?
1: So I have a list of you know ideas, whatever that comes up that, okay, this could be a good content piece. So this is something that I want to eventually write about. And whatever feels right in the moment, I just post it. So I don't have a content calendar as such. Twitter, it's easy because you can post multiple times a day. So just you know write two lines and you can get the message out there. Uh, for LinkedIn, I prefer long form content and I prefer to post only once a day, usually not more than that. Uh, and for uh, Instagram reels are better. So that takes a little bit of time. Uh, But yeah, I just I think I just have a list and I just go through them one by one, whatever seems right at the moment.
0: That's really awesome. And also tell us about your experiences uh, meeting the CEO of LinkedIn uh, back in Trinity and what would you say that changed your life in some sort of way?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely changed my life. because. After that uh, meeting, you know, I wrote the LinkedIn post that went viral because of which I got my first few clients uh, and I realized how good LinkedIn is and how important it is even if I have not graduated yet, even if I'm not planning to get a job yet. But it was still a good way to just publish content, if nothing else, to just, you know, start uh, making myself known as somebody who's good at this thing called writing. So yeah i think you know that particular meeting was um important because it was a much needed push like into the future so this would have probably happened somewhere down the line but the reason it happened in that moment so quickly was because of that meeting so yeah i'm grateful it happened
0: Well, wow, that's really great and now you know coming on to talking a bit about your freelancing and content writing journey so how did that basically happen and How did you transition from writing those essays and articles in school uh, like you spoke about right now uh, to actually working with clients across the globe? And what all did you have to uh, unlearn or relearn during that transition?
1: So I took up a few internships after my high school, which is after 11th and 12th. So I had a year of doing multiple internships. I worked with uh, the times group, so I was in the Twitter team there. Um, which is weird now that I think of it. I started with an internship that was all about Twitter, but I didn't give Twitter a shot until like four, five years later. It's so weird. Okay, but yeah, that that was mainly news content. I didn't enjoy it. I think uh, maybe that's why I didn't join Twitter. Uh, I thought Twitter is too political after that, uh, you know, experience. And then I worked with a few PR agencies, media agencies, where I was writing articles and social media content. So my manager or my boss would always give me feedback and these were really small agencies um, so the team were very like the team was very close knit and you know there's a graphic designer sitting next to you there's an seo person next to you there's all the writers are around you the boss is right you know in the cabin right next to you so because of that you always have so much to learn like right next to you and uh, you if you are free from work because you know as an intern i after a point i had a lot of free time so I used to just, you know, peek into other screens, like, what are you doing? You know, so I picked up a lot of content, uh, like graphic designing as well, like, uh, not how to do it, but more like what mistakes you make, what are the better, how to use white space, what is the importance of a particular font, a color scheme? Um, how do you make sure that there's not, you know, the images are not too heavy. So all of these things just came from, you know, sitting there and like observing things around me asking questions bothering people and that experience helped me out when I started freelancing because I had professional content writing experience in some capacity and uh, I think freelancing was much easier though because you know it was much easier to to talk directly to a client and ask them what they're looking for and give them what they're looking for than it is to have somebody in a team tell you that this is what the client wants and then you know it going through a full five six people team and getting approval like that's much harder than getting it from one person so in the in that sense i think freelancing becomes um easier it becomes like you know you're dealing with one person and um, um that i think those internships were really important for me just to understand what it means to take feedback from someone uh, what it looks like to work with somebody professionally um although the rest of it like how to charge and how to negotiate is something that i had to learn with like trial and error so yeah it's been an interesting journey yeah
0: even i had a similar kind of journey because i am currently working in an advertising agency as a key account uh, basically as a client servicing person so i have to you know manage the design side of things the copy side of things and everything so yeah, I can quite relate to that, and uh, you know, uh, I've never ever freelanced. Uh, I've never ever uh, you know uh, freelanced as such, but I have uh, quite a few friends who do freelancing. So I know the nitty-gritties of the both of both the spaces, especially since I've started working quite recently. So yeah, that is uh, a really uh, a really a challenge to you know manage everything on your own, and uh, you also had a very remarkable journey, and one thing in particular that i uh, really love about your writing is the way you hook the reader till the end by structuring your content pieces in a very personalized and engaging way so can you decode your writing process for us and how does one come up with a well-crafted structure whether it's for the clients or for themselves
1: okay um so i think one of the main things is stories again my content has stories so one of the mistakes or one of the things that really affects how engaging a content piece is that the order of events just goes a bit up and down so make sure you don't do that if you're sharing a story the order of events should be it doesn't have to be one two three four it can be five first but then it should be one two three four in the sense that it should it should just have a natural flow to it so sometimes let's say i give away the main crux of the story in the first line so like the viral post i think the first time about it was when the CEO of linkedin himself checked my linkedin profile so that's a hooking line it gives away the entire premise like what happened you know it already yeah. but you want to find out why it happened how it happened what really happened like how how does somebody get in that you know position So then you read the story and then the story is in a sequential manner where it flows and you can actually imagine everything. So that's one of the things where you have to pick one focus point and just only talk about that and talk about it in a good order that makes sense to somebody who's not experienced it. So you have to realize that, uh, you know, when you're giving a story, people can't just connect the dots based on your memory of it. They don't know anything about it. So that's one of the first things and uh, the second thing is to have a really good closing a powerful closing so sometimes there is a good build up but then the end falls flat like any you know you can think of any good movie that has like this good story going and suddenly in the end they just you feel like okay no this this feels wrong like it should have been something else anything else just something else so that leads to a bit of like disappointment leads to like something's missing here So when you read, like when you write your content and when someone reads it, they should not be left with that feeling. And one of the best ways to do both of these things—to check the cohesion and the flow of the post and to uh, make sure that you have a hard-hitting post—is to reread the content and to edit it. Make sure you're editing it. It doesn't matter. Like you can take it lightly. That's only social media, but social media, like it's going to stick. It's going to stay, and it's going to. the process you use now is going to be the process you'll continue using for a long time. So it's you training yourself. So definitely edit your content because that's where the magic lies. You have to improve upon it and polish it. So do that.
0: That really, you know, reminds me of your TEDx talk in which you talk about five steps to write anything. Mm -hmm. So that was a really inspirational talk and thank you so much for delivering that. And uh, what has your experience uh, been with uh, working with different clients across industries? And how do you manage that? Because sometimes it must get really hard context switching between different use cases altogether. Like take for instance, you have to work on a blockchain article, but then you also have to work on something related to maybe petroleum and whatnot. So how do you approach projects when you have multiple industry use cases lined up?
1: So I used to do that earlier, I don't do that anymore. So if I, if uh, it's not in, like I have two, three core niches that I stick to. If it's not in my niche, I don't take it up anymore. When I did take it up though, I made sure that whatever I was taking up was a bit more broad and vague. Like they didn't want me to go Like I wouldn't take up white papers, even at that time, I wouldn't take up investor pitch designing or something where I have to have really good knowledge about the particular topic. But let's say an overview article for beginners or a social media post that talks about the company's products, Um, that is something that I would pick up and I would converse with the client, just have an introductory call, uh, get them to answer a few questions, uh, check all their presentations, their brochures, their website, ask them for any reference and research articles, uh, much like you know, what I did in college like get some good sources that they also trust, so that uh, whenever I'm getting information I'm not worried about whether this information is correct or not. Again, I don't have expertise in the niche, so I can't even really vet the information myself so keeping that in mind, I would ask them for information Uh, yet like, although you know, I still, I have a very highly like technical client right now At the time, I think um, work was a bit slow. So I was like, okay, let me try this out. And uh, halfway through the work, I'm like, okay, this is not working out. Like I couldn't get this person results no matter what I did. Uh, This was for LinkedIn branding, by the way, like it just wasn't working out by that, like, you know, within a one, one and a half months, we should have seen better results, but it wasn't coming through. So I was getting worried. And then we started trying something different that I don't do for any other client because it never works for them, but it worked for this particular client. So it was just like, you know, like, okay, this is not, I know this never works, but let's try it. It worked out. The post went viral. So we are like, okay, we need to replicate this. And now every time we replicate it, the post does really, really good. Uh, So yeah, it's something you learn as well. Like every industry does have its own thing. So the technical one needs a diff- completely different kind of content mindset and content creation compared to the others. Um, so yeah, something you learn through experimentation, although it is my need, like it's my uh, content type of LinkedIn branding, it wasn't really my industry, but I figured it out over time. So yeah, just uh, be okay with feeling like you're lost sometimes, I think that's needed.
0: It's it's basically learning through experimentation and trying your hands on different things. Yes. Awesome. Uh, that, that's really great and how how do you suggest one should start their freelancing journeys especially people who have just started uh, you know building one particular skill set and are not mm-hmm. fully adept at it and they want to grow in that space
1: so like you know i know that people end up waiting for like a good time when I have learned everything now I'm an expert now I can start finding clients but the problem is you're never an expert especially in these cases like let's say social media or marketing or uh, designing all these spaces is so fast they change so fast like minimalistic design has become such a thing almost overnight now everyone goes for that. in terms of marketing suddenly reels came in and now also you know the kind of content that you create keeps changing twitter has spaces now uh, linkedin has linkedin live so the way the content uh, is expected and the way it works the way the algorithm works i don't know if that's a real thing but the way the algorithm works apparently also keeps changing so because of that you can never actually be an expert everything will keep evolving every third month it will be like the platform's new and you have to figure it out all over again um, so, don't wait for that point where you think, okay, now I'm an expert, now I'll start. Instead, just find a client, um, work for them for free if you want. Just, you know, get that experience of working with someone and uh, using your services to help someone. Like using your skill set to help someone. That should be the basic idea.
0: Adding value, basically.
1: Yes, adding value. And uh, you are not going to be an expert anyway. Like, you will over time be more confident yes but that uh, perfection expert status won't come to you even if you take one full year just of you know back-to-back courses and ebooks and whatnot it's not going to come to you so find your first client asap and then just start working with them work for free in exchange for like a testimonial a video testimonial or a or you know to create a case study out of the work you do uh, but that should be your first goal find your first client that's it
0: and maybe build your website and put out testimonials like you just talked about right now
1: yeah uh, I mean don't rely on website for lead generation you can use it as a way to showcase your portfolio so if you have a lead you can send them that but what a lot of people think is that you need a website to find clients not really you might it can help you convert them because you have this uh, professional you know landing page and everything ready it can help you qualify them like you can you know once you're a bit Established, then you can start mentioning your base fee, your base, uh, you know, how many months do you work for at least like what's your minimum contract period and all of those kinds of things. So that helps you with qualification, but it's not going to help you with lead generation unless you have like thousands of dollars to invest in SEO and having a really good website.
0: But so, it can definitely be used for a portfolio, right? Yes. As a portfolio.
1: Portfolio, yes
0: awesome and now coming on to your daily work as an agency owner so how does the day in your life look like and when did this entire idea strike you that i need to move on to build a team now and how is managing that so far and what all did you essentially have to acquire and what all you acquired in the process of doing so
1: okay so i didn't uh, you know hire anybody for the longest time because i always thought that if somebody else can do what I can do then why am I charging a premium why am I saying that I'm one of the best like it doesn't make sense right if it's, if there's already someone out there doing it uh, but then I just said okay I need to hire somebody need help with this so I hired one person after like months and months of just slogging and trying to get things done by myself. I hired one person, then I hired one more and I think I was only with two writers giving them work here and there uh, for like at least a year. I didn't hire anybody else just again because I was like, I don't really know what to do here. And then um, I wanted to try different things. So I expanded so I hired writers, graphic designers, video, video editors and you know, different people with different skill sets that I didn't have and just basically experimented if you know if they were doing good work I stuck with them if they weren't then um, you know firing is sort of hard for me it's it's I, I find it very weird to say okay you know we're ending work Uh, So that was something I definitely had to learn, Uh, you know, just being better at saying, okay, we need to stop working because many times I wasn't really happy with the work. It was taking me time to edit as well, but I just didn't want to say no. So I was like, one more chance, you know, give them one more chance, give them one more chance. So that wasn't good. So now I always say like hire fast and if needed, fire fast, like don't put your mental energy into it. Uh, But yeah, it's been a very slow, one by one kind of, you know, step by step kind of process. Uh, Mainly because people management is hard because you're dealing with people who are, you know, who have a real life. These are living, breathing humans that you pay. That their paycheck becomes dependent on you. Their workflow becomes dependent on you. So it is a responsibility in its own way. And um, I think it requ- requires a lot of like mental preparation and training for you to be okay with seeing yourself as uh, leading a team rather than just doing it yourself.
0: And do you do you think that building a team is uh, the way to, is the only way to scale up fast?
1: Depends what your goals are. Like for some people, not everyone wants to create an agency. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't prefer working beyond a certain number of hours a day. It's not like I have 10 hours that I could probably work in a day, but I don't prefer working more than five to six hours because that's the kind of lifestyle I want. So if somebody is willing to put 10 hours a day, like I was initially putting 10 hours a day because I didn't have anyone else, so you can do that. Um, I know there's this person called Justin Welch, I, I think, uh, on Twitter, and he built a million dollar business by himself, like as a solo person, and now he's aiming for 5 million. So it is possible, but then how many people like him do you see who can say that? It's so, a is it possible? Yes. Can people do it? Yes. But can everyone do it? No. So, yeah, I think it depends on what your goals are and how you see yourself going there
0: yeah and since you were also talking about uh, how hard is uh, how hard is it actually to build a team and I also feel that you know building uh, one is quite challenging but you also uh, learn uh, get to learn a lot along the way in terms of delegating tasks communicating better and building trust and Mm -hmm. uh, now I want to deep dive into your tremendous growth on social media and the business side of freelancing so you have over 1 lakh plus followers on LinkedIn and over 44.8 K on Instagram so did you have like a goal in mind when you were building that audience uh, initially or were those numbers something that eventually started rolling in and how do you approach that growth aspect of social media now
1: i didn't look at like the linkedin following count for the longest time i think when i was getting closer to 100k i was like oh it's going to be 100k so i want to hit that so i think that was around like when I was at 80k, and I was like, okay, now let's do something different, and you know, let's really get to 100k. Until then, I didn't really think much about it. My goal was to get clients, to get work, and to make money from LinkedIn. So I just focused on that. Um, so yeah, that was for LinkedIn and for Instagram. I think when I started, I was just I used to just think, okay, if I get like 100 followers every week, I can hit you know 10k by in a year or something, and that was the idea. But then reels happened, you know, just a few months after I uh, started my account, reels popped up. And because of that, I hit 10K in like a couple of months. And then I was at 40K like again in another couple of months, which was great, not expected. Uh, Then I was like, okay, then Instagram is going to work. But then I was stuck at 40, like 44K for like a year. And then I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do anymore. So I think, Instagram was the only platform where I was concerned with following mainly because 10k means you used to get that swipe up feature. Now Mm -hmm. everyone has it the tap thing. But yeah, 10k meant used to get swipe up feature. And I had heard that 10k means you can get paid collaborations like people will pay you to post about them. So my goal was hit 10k as soon as possible. But then of course, uh, thanks to Reels, everyone hit 10k overnight. So I'm not quite sure what to make of that.
0: yeah and uh, do, do you think that people like people who are just starting out should focus on uh, reaching a certain number of following on social media or should they just focus on their work and uh, consider uh, the following as a byproduct of that uh, value addition which they are trying to give their, uh, to their audience
1: yes definitely a byproduct because no matter how small your audience is you can actually make a lot of money from it so it, it could be inbound it could be outreach as well a lot of Accounts are really small on Twitter, like, you know, some accounts have less than 5k followers, but they They have proof and they are really good at what they do and they have proof and they make like millions of dollars every single year So these are, you know, people who are running uh, Companies, people who are running agencies, people who are even, you know, working by themselves uh, But everyone's doing good and your follower account is something that might grow with time. Maybe not It uh, Depends on what you're focusing on and if you have the wrong focus while you want something else, let's say you what you really want is good clients and you want to, let's say, hit um, 10K a month. okay? But you, when that is what you really want, but you are instead focusing on your following count, it's going to be stressful for you because if you're focused too much on that, then this is not going to happen. You know, you won't be able to hit those 10K because your, your goal is entirely wrong for the kind of uh, thing you, that you want to achieve so just make sure be very clear on what you're expecting to get from let's say social media in this case in like let's say three months six months one year where do you see yourself thanks to social media and then make sure your goals are exactly aligned with what you want that's important wow well,
0: that's really valuable and i'm really uh... Uh, curious about uh, the business side of freelancing because you have a lot of happening uh, a lot of things happening from prospecting sales calls to actually qualifying and charging a client to invoicing so can you tell us a bit about that and how does one get started with all of this because i know some people get really inundated with it and what's the best uh, best way to go about it
1: so if that's okay like i would say my ebook is the best way to start because my ebooks have this you know like especially freelancing freedom that ebook is meant for new freelancers and it covers everything you need to know but there is no rule book as such because when it comes to freelancing you're dealing with other human beings and every every single person is going to be different in the way they think in what they want what they expect how they speak to you Uh, how they conduct themselves their values their goals it's all going to be different so every single person you work with every single conversation you have even if you are providing the exact same service to both people even if they're in the same industry they have the same following count it'll still be a completely different experience working for them Um, so you can have the basic you know uh, let's say basic roadmap line lined up that okay I need to you know I need to do outreach maybe and I need to book at least five calls a week and I need to get on a call this is what I need to say this is what I need to talk about this is the service I'm selling this is the offer I'm selling this is how much I'm going to charge um, this is my payment term. this is my like you know I'm going to charge 100% advance I'm going to not do a monthly thing I'm going to do a three-month contract period and I'm going to raise invoices as per that. So whatever it is, you can decide all those things. But the, uh, uh, but on a like you know based on the other person, every single conversation and work and business is going to be different. Um, so focus on um, solidifying that whatever you can solidify. But expect changes in the rest of it, in everything that involves another human. Just expect it to be different
0: and you know that uh, also reminds me of this very uh, very interesting concept of smart goals which is basically specific measurable achievable uh, result oriented and time bound goals so that really helps you you know in the long run and uh, since you also talked about your ebook right now so how was writing that uh, how was the experience writing that ebook and what tips do you have for me especially uh, to write my first book maybe
1: tips okay uh, writing an ebook is fun, like, I really enjoy it. Um, it is, I put myself under a lot of pressure to write it. Um, th- that's the only thing I wish I could do something about that. Just, you know, write a little bit every day instead of trying to do it all in one week. But also, I think once my brain starts working in that ebook's direction, I want to finish it off which is why i do it in a week so i don't really have a process that i want to recommend yet i i'm still working through it uh, but the basic idea would be that you first decide exactly what you want to write the ebook on and make it as specific as possible Like I have an ebook broadly on how to start freelancing, but I also have an ebook specifically on how to conduct sales calls. And the sales calls ebook came first and I thought it would be helpful for people. But I realized that there was a need for this broad thing called how to start freelancing. Because every single day I was getting 10, 15 messages from people. How do I start? Where do I start? I don't know. So I decided, okay, this is a much needed ebook. This is in demand. This needs to be created, which is why it's also my best selling ebook till date. And uh, so this ebook, like, you have to decide who you're writing for, what you're going to write about. And once you have that, you have to create an outline, which is basically an index. So what are you going to talk about in that ebook? And once you've made a very broad outline, again, just keep adding more points to it. Make, like, it's like adding layers to every single chapter that you have. Add a few bullet points. Um, So let's say you want to talk about freelancing. So maybe you you are going to talk about 10 steps to start freelancing. So in every step, what are you going to talk about? Mention that. And then in each of that, again, further break it down. So what you're doing is you're basically creating this really um, detailed skeleton of your ebook, so that when you sit down to write it, you're basically expanding on that skeleton. You are not... Um wondering whether this should come here, this should fit here, what should I really say you're not stopping. Once you have that flow, you are just taking that and expanding on it, giving examples, um, you know, giving some sort of uh, data numbers, giving some backup to it. That's it. So that's the that's the most like simplest way I can put it on you know, like how to create an ebook.
0: It's maybe like uh, creating more of a research outline. Yes, again. Yes. Awesome. And uh, how do you manage to be consistent, especially when you are having that creative block and how do you come up with ideas during that time and manage to reinvent the content wheel?
1: I think now it's become easier to come out of that block because... I have so many questions in my DMs and each of them becomes a content piece. So whenever I'm wondering what do I post, I just scroll through my DMs, okay, this is what people are asking and that's a content piece. I do a lot of Q&A's on Instagram as well. So you will often see that a lot of those answers are repurposed on Twitter or as a LinkedIn post. Or sometimes if I see that the same question is being asked again and again, like how to start freelancing, I'm going to turn it into an ebook and then I'm going to sell that because it's in demand. Um, so yeah, there are different ways of coming up with content ideas and it's mostly taking from my audience because now I know uh, who my audience is uh, on on Instagram at least it's freelancers. So give them what they want is uh, basically the, you know, the crux of what I'm doing here. Give them what they want, but do it in my way. That's how I put it together.
0: Th- that's uh, really awesome. and. What do you enjoy more writing for your own self or uh, writing for your clients? What is that process which uh, gives you the most joy?
1: Yeah, for myself, definitely, there's just more creative freedom there, Um, there's less pressure also, I think, yeah. And uh, it's okay, like I can, I am understanding of my own social media in, in the sense that I'm, I'm understanding of the fact that not all posts will do well if a post doesn't do well it's okay but if it doesn't do well for a client although my client knows it's natural i know it's natural but it's more like like this should have really worked out because this would have been good for the client so i think um that um, self-pacification is much easier when you're creating it for yourself so
0: like if sometimes uh, one of your posts doesn't perform well but the uh, previous posts uh, are performing really well so do you uh, chart out a plan or something like that that should be uh, you know, reaching these many numbers or something like that?
1: No, I don't do that because I don't know what I was thinking last week but um, I put out this question on t- Twitter that had absolutely zero sense, like zero. Um, and it was, I think, like, I was like, okay, nobody's going to see this probably because most of my tweets don't get much engagement anyways. So I was like, nobody's going to see it. And I put out a tweet asking would you buy from a startup that has never received funding no. the question makes zero sense like i am not looking at what product has received funding before i buy something obviously but that post has it's one of my best performing tweets ever in terms of engagement it has like 1500 likes or something uh, a lot of people have you know um, Like justified why they don't think of it and blah, blah. Some people have asked, what is even the purpose of this? And I'm like, I don't know either. I was not expecting it to do well, So I've realized that and keeping that in mind, I don't care about engagement anymore. It's like whatever does good does good. Um, The only thing where I think of engagement is on Reels because on Reels, I really want the views to be fair enough so that I can see follower growth, which is happening again after a long, long time. Um, so that is my goal, and keeping that in mind, I just see okay, what content is doing better, uh, what time maybe. I don't obsess over it, but just like okay, did I use a long caption here, or did I use a shorter reel, or was I talking in it? Is there a trending music involved? So I just keep an eye out for what worked and then try to replicate that for reels. Otherwise, yeah, like stupid question went viral. So I don't trust people on social media.
0: You never know what strikes the chord of the audience,
1: yeah, I don't even know what chord that struck, but yeah whatever
0: <laughs> and and do you do you plan on writing novels or something like that in the future or or do you want to keep it more oriented towards freelancing only or maybe academic stuff?
1: I don't know. I might explore novels, although I think my strength is you know these non fiction and some something that is teaching people something so okay. i
0: like that kind of writing okay and how how do you transition from you know writing f- uh, for yourself on a daily basis like writing for your linkedin or for your twitter and then switching uh, to writing for your clients like does does that take some mental space or something like that some mental bandwidth
1: yeah. so there is like i avoid picking up my phone or opening my social media when i'm working um i know it feels like everything's work everything's the same thing but it's not And I used to do that, like I used to keep, uh, you know, checking my social media, but I realized this is not how you work. You have to put these two things separately. So just like any other work, you know, client work, like if you were working in an office and you had, you know, you had your usual work hours when you sit and focus on what you're supposed to do. It's the same thing for me. Uh, I know it's like client and me it's the same thing it's both social media for both of us but work is still work and my social media is still my social media so i think it's just important to see it that way that distinction has to be there in the way you approach it and uh, how you see it
0: that's really uh, awesome and i i uh, i feel that you know one should focus on like you just talked about that one should focus on uh, your work while you are during those work hours and yeah. then switch on to social media or something like that or your own personal work after office hours so uh, and also what are your thoughts about the evolution of content writing uh, from postal print media banners to now digital arts e-commerce and automation and AI in writing and where do you think content writing is head uh, is headed towards the future
1: so a lot of people, a lot of people ask me this. So one of the things is, like, um, for at least the next few years, AI will be mostly like a helping hand. It won't be something that can completely replace it. I already know a few writers who use AI to like just get get the framework of the content, and but they have to, you know. Uh, make sure, t- like it's not up to the mark where you can give it to a client or you can publish it online. So it needs a lot of work. So yes, you can use it for a skeleton maybe. Um, and the other thing I see is, look, when it comes to at least, like specifically content creation, right? Um, a client or let's say your audience, in-, in the first sense, your audience. Your audience is not just looking for information. So what I'm talking about, thousands of other people are talking about. You can learn freelancing from anywhere. But people are not interested in learning freelancing from anywhere. They're interested in learning freelancing from me. That's what personal branding is. So even if an AI can create, you can create like an AI can have its own Instagram page where it talks about how to freelance. It's not the same thing as people wanting to learn freelancing from me. So that's the difference between what AI can do and it cannot do. And uh, also experiences, an AI can give you like, okay, this is what it is, this is what is not. Like This is how you close the client, this is how you conduct a sales call, but the AI doesn't have experience in it. It doesn't have any stories to tell, it doesn't have, um, it doesn't know that, okay, the same question can be dealt in five different ways or can come in five different tones and how it affects, uh, you know, the conversation. So there's a lot of difference in terms of how uh, content can be created. That emotional side is not going to be there. That experience is not going to be there. And most importantly, that personal branding is not going to be there. So if people, which is why I think personal branding is even more important. You better create an influence and sort of a need that people want to really check out your content, learn from you, your experience, your story, and not just learn, you know, vaguely. So that's how I see it.
0: And, you know, that also makes a difference in the education field, like you would love to uh, learn from a renowned professor rather than a normal professor in your college. And yeah. people pay uh, huge amounts to do that, like people go to Ivy colleges for a reason mm. and uh, uh, Ivy League, uh, Ivy Leagues for a reason. And uh, that's awesome. Now coming on to the rapid fire round of the show. So let me know if you are ready and we can start with it. Yeah, Sure. Awesome. So, uh, hey, we go in three, two, one. One of your own content pieces which inspires you the most?
1: If you have such thoughtful questions in rapid fire, I don't know what to do. This always happens. God, okay. One of the most inspiring content pieces. I really like the piece where I wrote about uh, buying my first I- iPad and iPhone by myself because it was one of my biggest dreams to do it. So, yeah, that one, I think.
0: Some, and any movie or series uh, character which you totally resonate with or totally relate with?
1: I need time to think about this. Okay. Who uh, do I would resonate with? I'm thinking of what TV shows I've watched. oh. <laughs> I can't even think of any TV show, can we come back to this one?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't worry, even I watch a f- very few you know, series or I watch movies. a
1: lot, but I can't really place anything.
0: Yeah, no worries. Uh, one major misconception about content writing?
1: Simply that it's just words, you know, you just put out a story, something random, anything and it'll work out. Which is why I talked about, you know, flow and that big bang, yeah
0: and three superpowers that set you apart as a content writer? Hmm.
1: Uh, My narration, like my narrative uh, kind of writing, Uh, my ability to turn any incident of my life into like a lesson story and uh, I think consistency, just doing it every single day.
0: That's awesome. Now coming on to the last one, uh, one piece of advice you would like to give your younger self.
1: You're going to figure it out like you know the main advice is health comes first like everything else in the world you can do later you can make more money later you can find more clients later you can build a social media following in the next month if not now but health comes first you can't if, if you ruin it you can't do anything about it in a lot of cases so yeah prioritize that fix that.
0: That's awesome. Now can we come back to the movie question?
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, who do I resonate with? What character do I resonate with? Yeah.
0: Or it can be any movie. Any movie which you like or any series which you like.
1: Okay. One of my favorite movies is Radha Tui, The yeah. Disney movie. Yeah. Uh, sorry. The, like the animated pixel movie, I think. Yeah. So like uh, the reason I like it so much is just the whole story of, you know, if you look at it, even freelancing, it's sort of like that, right? Nobody understands it. Nobody, like everyone thinks that, you know, what is this really? Uh, my family understands it, by the way, like that's great. Uh, but you just kind of take your own boat and you kind of go somewhere and you end up somewhere, a place that's new, but you just get more opportunity. I resonate with that just in terms of, you know, me moving to college and things working out in that city abroad, somewhere where I never imagined. I'm just doing something that I liked so yeah I just can resonate a lot, lot with like Remy and the whole um, anyone can cook kind of you know I really like that.
0: It's more like working uh, I mean uh, freelancing is more like working on your own startup in some sort of way because on in startups also you have to figure out everything on your own self Yes. you need to and also the
1: risk is all on you Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's a risk you're willing to take but then I think like the way we've seen it in the pandemic, I think for everything, even jobs have been lost. So at this point, I don't think there's anything you do that's without risk anyway. So worth it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I don't know
1: Ratatouille is Disney or Pixar, I feel so bad, or it could be something else.
0: Yeah, even I've watched that movie, but I don't know.
1: I don't recall. Yeah. Oh, uh, so, yeah
0: that was uh, super fun round Shreya and I'm sure you must be having some amazing plans for the future so do you mind sharing some of those and also do you have any books or podcast recommendations for our listeners
1: I don't listen to podcasts I'm sorry I just I come on the podcast and I talk but I don't listen I like reading more or watching so I'm sorry I don't listen to podcasts um, but in terms of books um, you know I stopped giving recommendations because anytime I've ever been recommended a book, I've not really read through it. I've just picked it up. I was like, okay, let me buy it because it's a bestseller, whatever. And I do this and I'm like, okay, but because that there's no intrinsic motivation to actually read the book. It's not something of my choice. So I very rarely end up reading something that has been recommended. So if you want to improve writing, I can say that there's a book called Cashvertising, which is great to learn copywriting. Um, there's a book called How to Win Friends uh, and Influence People, which is great for learning communication. Um, there's a book called um, On Writing by Stephen King, which is great again for learning how to write and edit. So these are like basic things that you could read to improve your skill set. Other than that, I don't have any like book recommendations. Stop asking for book recommendations. I think. <laughs> everyone should
0: you know go to a library and just explore what catches your eye and then pick that yeah it sometimes happens with me as well like i pick up the most recommended books but i don't uh you know i leave it in the middle itself and yeah. i stop reading it so yeah i think uh, we should pick up those books like you suggested that you should go to a library and see what catches your eye mm-hmm. so that really helps yeah and also uh, we generally you know ask our guests to leave us and our listeners with some words of wisdom so what would be your message to people across the world especially those who are passionate about freelance or content writing freelancing or content writing
1: one of the things is that it's going to take time it looks on social media when you see i think everyone's it, it just looks like everyone's figured it out in just six months you know everyone's at like 100k a year or 100k a month even in like six months they're doing so well they've bought a house they bought a supercar they have bought like uh you know they've retired their parents and look those are the kind of people who've made it but it's very few people who can do it that fast or very few people who can sustain it after achieving so much that fast so don't be sidetracked or distracted or worried when you see these things because everyone's story is different and you don't need to hit 100k a month. You don't need to hit 20k a month. If you're happy with 5k, if that's what it takes to, to give you the kind of uh, life and lifestyle that you're looking for and you're still getting time to do what you love, then that's enough. So that's one of the most important things because when you're starting out, it's so easy to think that, oh, like everyone's able to do it. I can do it too. Yes, you can do it. Doesn't mean you have to do it, don't pressurize yourself into it and doesn't mean it'll happen fast for you either. It might take time so just be patient and be more accepting of the whole process.
0: Basically slow and steady wins the race.
1: Sometimes, yeah sometimes. I've used that also in, in bad ways to procrastinate so don't do that like you know I've done that in the past so don't do that but yeah just don't overwhelm yourself.
0: Yeah, and the mantra is to, you know, enjoy what you're doing and enjoy the process and things would eventually catch up. Uh, so thank you. Thank you so much for uh, that extremely inspiring message. And I truly got to learn a lot from you and your journey today. So thank you so much for taking out the time uh, for delivering your discussion with us. With us and I wish you the best.
1: Thank you so much, Surya. Great questions and great conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much.